Over the last few weeks, we have talked about uh, different aspects of our our relationships, different aspects of our marriages and and how uh, we can make, how we can have and and grow stronger marriages and stronger relationships. And as we've done this, we've talked, we've we've looked at it from several different angles. One, uh, we, we need to make God our first priority. That, that he, we said that we need to love the Lord our God with all, with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all who we are. We need to love God. That is, he is our first and highest and greatest priority. And then from there, the rest of our relationships can take place. If, we're, if you are married, then your spouse would automatically kind of fill that number two spot. They, 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 be, be, you know, of all your earthly relationships, they are your number one. You know, of all relationships overall, God's number one, but all of your earthly relationships, they're the one that you, 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 you love and serve and care for the most. They are the most important, that's the most important relationship in your life. Maybe uh, you, you come to and you, you, you're not married and you know, how, do, how does that fit? Well, then maybe it's parents, maybe it's uh, other family members, maybe it's uh, other friends and other relationships that kind of fill that role and, and you begin to you form your life around those and how do, I, how do I serve those and care for those and show God's love to those who are around me? And sometimes in our life, we sabotage our relationships because we get them out of priority. We get, the, we get that order out of whack and we get things out of line and out of sync and we begin to focus on other things and other aspects of our life. And, and sometimes God begins to take a back seat and he kind of, our relationship with him begins to drift. And that's where we start seeing things in our life begin to fall and, 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 and fall off and, and maybe not be what we want them to be. And we go, what, what changed? What happened? And sometimes because we take our eyes off of our main priority. And so the, 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 more, the more we look at, as we, as we looked at these things, and we, we think about how we want to serve those around us, how we want to love and serve God, we really want to live out the principle we talked about last week, that, that us and we is greater than I and me. Us and we is greater than I and me. That we want, that, 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 that the, the priorities, that, that it's not just about seeking my own will, my own desires. And although there's a, there are times when we, we, we do have to, you know, hey, you know, maybe our health isn't well. Maybe there are, there's times when there are aspects of our life where, yeah, we, do, we, we don't you know, ignore those around us. But maybe sometimes we have to, hey, there's something I got to work on. And so there's that balance of how do I, Focus on, uh, on uh, how do I live this balanced and whole life? And we do that best by submitting to one another. That there's this mutual submission. And, and as, we, as we have needs, those around us, as we share those with others, man, they help support us. They help encourage us. They help us get through those times. Because there's other moments when, when they're going to say, hey, I need help there and, uh, with something. And we can slide over and give them help and support. And so we think about this as us and we are greater than I and me. But there's one more aspect of relationships that we want to look at. One more uh, component that I think is key and critical if we want to have healthy and growing marriages, if we want to have beneficial relationships. And today we want to look at the need for and importance of purity. And so that's why we, we, we sang kind of songs we did today, that, that God, even in our shame, God calls us out of that and into his glorious life. Because sometimes our sin wrecks us. Sometimes we are so devastated by our sin that, that, that we feel shameful. And we, 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 like, how can I come before God? And so he calls us to the cross to be sweetly broken. To be left there and to, to, to kind of come there and, and realize the, the price that was paid. And our sin rolled back as a scroll. Right? 
Man, this is a, we can say, it is well. It is well with my soul. If you declare that Jesus paid it all for us. As we see this, we can then go, so he, we, we can't arrive at purity on our own. We can only arrive at purity through the blood of Jesus. I mean, we, can, we can't show up there. We, we, we have no righteousness within us. The only righteousness we have is that which we've been clothed with standing in Christ. And so at the outset, I do want to say that uh, much has been written and discussed about the purity culture of the movement of the 90s and early 2000s. And it had a, a very beneficial beginning, a beneficial start, beneficial foundation. But, but what was taken from this is that, that people were shamed for their mistakes. People were shamed for those times when they, when they failed to live up to the standards, to, to the vows and the promises that they had made. But the very reason Jesus died was to provide forgiveness for those moments when we failed. While we seek purity, while we seek his righteousness, we may never attain it, or likely never attain it on this side of heaven. And so instead of shaming others who may have sin, we need to remember that we all have sin. Our capacity to sin should not, it should not keep us from pursuing pure, purity in our relationships and in all areas of our life. And so we, we, as we look and if you think about this in regards to our relationships and our marriages, scripture teaches abstinence outside of marriage and fidelity within. Abstinence outside of marriage and fidelity within. Scripture also teaches uh, one man and one woman for a lifetime. And as we think about that, the, 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 there, there are many op- the times and places where, where people have, have failed in those. But that does not keep them from a relationship with Jesus. His death on the cross, his blood shed for us provides the pathway, provides uh, the, the, the mediation for us to be able to come before God. So as we strive for purity in our marriage and relationships, th- this is the target we're aiming for. And it's a, it's a difficult target. And as I said, we may never, may never achieve it fully. And some might say, well, how important is purity? How, how important is purity? And I would ask you this, uh, how pure do you want your food? Uh, how, how pure do you want your water, your, your medications? Think about this week. How pure do you want your air, right? I'm like, Thursday was a hard day, right? I mean, I don't have breathing issues, but man, Thursday was a hard day. When you walk out of the house at 530 in the morning and it's, you, it smells like one of your neighbor's houses is on fire and the fire is like hundreds, maybe thousands of miles away. That's a hard day, right? And I'm glad we didn't live any closer to it. How pure do we want things in our life? See, if we want strong relationships, we want thriving marriages, purity needs to be a priority. Craig Rochelle said like this, it is very difficult to build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. It is very difficult to build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. And we've all seen marriages and we've all seen relationships crumble because they were built on lies and deceit. So how can we build our marriages? How can we build relationships on a foundation of purity so they can be built to last? So they can be built to endure the hard times and the good. So that we, they will help us get to the end together. How can they be a source of redemption for those times when we may fail and fall short? So today we want to look, uh, turn, turn again to Ephesians chapter five. 
We're turning to Ephesians chapter 5. Paul is talking with his friends. We're going to start with verse 3. So this is kind of section before the section we talked about last week. And Paul is, in the second half of his letter to his friends in Ephesus, he is sharing with them. The first part, he's like, hey, you have been redeemed. You have this, you've been bought with a price. You are a member of God's family. You have been loved by him. You're saved by his grace. And as he turns the corner in this letter, he begins to share with them how they are to live out of that new identity how they are to live out of that new place, how they to live. And now that they are, have been bought with the price, now they've been saved by God's grace. How are they then supposed to live? And he starts off this chapter and he says that we are to be imitators of God as his dearly loved children. And he goes on because he says, our, essentially our ultimate goal is perfection. It's purity. It's being like God. But then he says this, But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are not, these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but there should be thanksgiving. For, For of this, you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person, an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words for because, uh, uh, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them for you once were darkness, but now you are light in the lo- uh, light in the Lord live as children of light for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Paul says, to be imitators of God. We're to be imitators of God as his children. We are, to, we are to walk in his way. We're to walk in his path. And so as he's kind of fleshing that out, he says, among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. Not even a hint. So I ask you again, how pure do you want your food? Did you know that the FDA has standards of parts per million or parts per gram of acceptable insect parts and like rodent hairs that are acceptable to have in your food. I would read them, but you might want to eat lunch today. And I was going through going, man, there's what they're saying is there's acceptable parts of impurity that we are willing to feed you. Right. And, so, and God says, my standard is just a wee bit higher than the FDA. He says, there must not be a, Hint of immorality in you. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said it like this. He said, you've heard said, you should not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. What did Jesus say? There must not be even a hint of sexual immorality among you. Because no one goes into a marriage going, you know, at some point I'm going to commit adultery. No, no one thinks that on their wedding day, hey, at some point, I'm going to do this. 
See, but long before adultery is committed in the flesh, it has been conceived of in the mind. Long before it is acted out, it's been thought about. And so Jesus said, hey, it's not, you, you want to you draw that line? You want to live a life of purity? You want to uh, live a life of righteousness? It's not just, hey, I didn't kill the person. He said, don't even hate. Because in that hate, we begin to already murder the person. Not, maybe not physically, but emotionally. We begin to find ways to, to belittle and tear them down and, 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 and drop their character. Paul says, hey, sexual immorality, no impurity, no, no greed has place in the life of the believer. You may say, greed, what, what, what's greed have to do with this? Greed is essentially adultery with money, right? You've just made, you've just made money your mistress. It's like all these things begin to erode the foundation of our faith. When we uh, seek these other things higher than God, when we seek these things higher than our relationship with Jesus, all of a sudden the purity of our life is, is, is lessened. And it begins to erode the other relationships of our life because we cannot build a life of righteousness on the foundation of sin. And Paul continues. He's, he talks about the language we use, right? He talks about what kind of language should characterize the life of the believer. He he says here that purity refers not just to things that we do with our bodies, but our words, our attitudes, our actions. There's been a greater awareness in in recent years of the verbal and emotional abuse that is, is, is among our culture. That is seen in some of the relationships around us, even psychological abuse. And Paul essentially says, before this became a thing, he said, there's no place for this among Christian couples. There's no place for this among believers, period. There's no place for this in the life of the believer. Paul says, if you see this, we should not be partners with them. We should not be partners with, you know, we, we, sometimes we, sometimes with those who are closest to us, sometimes we, we can turn a blind eye, right? You know, we, 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 we like the person. We enjoy the person. There's things about them. And sometimes we're just like, yeah, that's just, that's just kind of how they are. And we turn this blind eye to the sin in their life. And if we let that sin stay close enough, sometimes it can have an effect on us. Now, what this isn't saying is that because the, the, you're going, Mike, aren't those the people we should be reaching? Yes. We need to be close enough. We need to have a relationship enough with them that we can then influence them. But we also need to make sure we have safeguards in our life to make sure that that influence doesn't come back against us as well. That the influence is, is us to them, help drawing them to know Christ, help drawing them to understand the gospel, having the gospel applied to their life, but not that we would be drawn into sin and drawn into their action. We're not to partner with them in their life. We're to call them out of darkness and into light. Just as we are called out of darkness and into light. Paul tells him that, right? He says, you were once darkness. For once, for, for there was a period of time when our life was best described as darkness. We were living in sin. We were, we were doing whatever we wanted to do. We were, even uh, for those of us who grew up in the church and have believed in Jesus our whole life, there was a point in time where, yeah, we believed in Jesus, but we were still doing our own thing. That our life was still kind of characterized by darkness. We had an understanding. <clears throat> we, knew, we knew where the hope was. 
but we hadn't yet attained it. We hadn't yet grabbed hold of it for ourselves. Paul says once at one point you were darkness, but now, but now you live as children of light. And there's a distinct difference between light and dark, right? Yeah. If you walk into a room that is filled with light and you walk into a room filled with darkness, which one is immediately safer? Right? I mean, have you ever tried walking through your house with no lights on? I mean, you, at that moment, you will find any Lego left on the floor, right? You, you, you will find you know, anything, any stray item out of place. You are finding it and you are trying not to say one of those words that Paul says you should not have used earlier in, 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 the, in the text, right? <clears throat> you walk into a dark room, you walk into a dark theater, and it is hard to find your way, right? You go to, you go to the movies, you, wanna, you, you better get there early because like, during some of the ads and all that, it's easier to find your way around. They got the house lights up. But if you get there after the, the, the trailers are already ro- rolling, man, you're, you're just, you might be stumbling in. And the reverse is true, right? When you leave a theater and you walk outside, you immediately feel like your retinas are burned out, right? You're like, oh my goodness. And so the same, he says, hey, you once were darkness, but now you live in light. We didn't realize that we were living in darkness because we've been living it for so long. Right? And you're in a dark theater. After a while, your eyes acclimate. And all of a sudden, you can, re- you can oh, I can see the person sitting next to me. I can see that that row that I tried to sit in really is filled with people. Because our eyes have had a chance to acclimate. And so when we were living in darkness, we didn't realize it was darkness because our eyes, our eyes thought it was right. But then once we were called out of darkness into light, we realized the difference between darkness and light. We used to live in darkness. There was no light in us, but we were completely consumed by that sin and darkness. But Paul is talking to believers. Like, that's what you once were. That's who you used to be until you, you were dead in your sins, but now you are alive in Christ. You are saved by his grace. Once you lived in darkness, but now we are light. So we ought to live as children of light. He says, be imitators of God back in verse one. So here's how we know. Here's how we know if we are living in the light, right? <clears throat> we know we are living in light because of what our life produces. He says, for the fruit of life, light <clears throat> consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. <clears throat> Can we say that our life consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth? And we might go to varying degrees, right? There are days. There are days we're going, mm, let's, let's just wipe that one out of the calendar, right? Let's just forget that day. Let's X that one. Let's just cut that one out. Yeah, that one was, that was not a good day. But there's other days we're like, man, it's pretty good. I was attentive. I, I, I felt like I was doing what God wanted me to do in the place and time I needed to. I said the right words at the right time. I was encouraging. I was helpful. You know, what is the, the, the scope of our life, are we, is, is it pointing towards things that are good and right and true? So if you think the things that our life could consist of, uh, the things that our life could pursue, pr- produce, you know, you could do far worse than goodness and righteousness and truth. 
And that would be what we want for our marriages and our relationships too, right? We want to be, as we think about the, the partnerships in our life, do we help bring goodness? Do we help bring righteousness? Do we provide truth in those situations that would help point people to know Jesus? That would help people to point people to know what is good and right in their life. These are the types of things that please him. And so Paul speaks sternly. He says, have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but expose them. He's not, like, hey, 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 hey. He's not saying, you know, you know, in small doses. He's not saying, you know, hey, certain things are good. It's like saying, hey, you know, poison's good in small doses, right? And, and we go, oh, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't mind drinking a little bit of poison. No, no, we're like, hey, that, that's bad. Yeah, that, that might kill me. You know, the wise person would go, mm, I think I'm going to avoid that. Paul says, this might kill you. This might kill, you might go, but not physically, but it might kill your spiritual relationship with God. It might kill that relationship, that most important relationship. If we choose to inject spiritual poison in our life, the fruitless deeds of darkness, Paul says, have nothing to do with them. He says, but bring them into the light. Bring them into the light. And there's areas in our life where we have, we've allowed that poison in. There's areas in our life where we've allowed sin to take root. Apostles, we need to expose that. We need to bring it into the light. We need to bring ourselves under the discipline of God. We need to bring ourselves under his correction. Because we need to remember that we can't build our marriage. We can't build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. Here's a truth that you can take home. Secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. Secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. See, secrecy loves the dark. And darkness is where sin reigns. So you know what what else grows in the dark? Shame. Shame grows in the dark. We feel shamed. We feel like we feel dirty. We feel like, 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 like we don't measure up, that we aren't good enough. Shame is one of the most uh, destructive uh, feelings, one of the most destructive emotions, because it doesn't just say, I did something bad. It says, I am bad. It says, it says I'm not, it doesn't just say, I, I, I messed up. It says, I'm not worthy. It says that, it says that, I, not, not just that I, I, I made an honest mistake. It says that I can't be loved. Shame grows in the dark. There's no room for shame. We, there's, a place, there's a perfect place for guilt. That appropriate feeling of guilt. Says, I messed up. I need to make it right. I, 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 I messed up. I need to, I need to seek forgiveness. I, I did something wrong. I did something hurtful and I need to make amends. Guilt is good. We need guilt to remind us that we need to correct our ways, but, but guilt doesn't equal shame. Guilt says I messed up. I'm still loved. Guilt says I messed up, but I'm still worthy. Guilt says I messed up and I need to make amends, but, but, but people can, I'm still uh, valued. Shame does not. Shame will destroy, but shame grows in the dark. You know what else grows in the dark? Fear grows in the dark. Fear grows in the dark. Because when we, when, we, when we stay in the dark with our sin, we are afraid that God will cast us out. 
He will cast out because, because we're not good enough. We, we're not worthy. We are shameful. And so we need to push aside fear. We need to push aside shame because they grow in the dark. They grow in those dark places. And we, Paul says, we need to bring, the, bring that sin into the light where it can be corrected, where, it can be, where we can have appropriate discipline, where we can begin to walk in the light again. Maybe you've heard this phrase before that sunshine, sunlight is the best disinfectant. And not only is it true in, in, in our physical world, but it's also very much true in our spiritual lives as well. That when we bring our sins into the light of the sun, he purifies us from all unrighteousness and puts his light within us. John, one of his disciples would write to uh, his church many years later. He would say this, he said, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. So we cannot, we, 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 <clears throat> we are called out of darkness and into his light. Doesn't that mean we're not going to sin because we're going to still have that battle on a day-to-day basis. But what consists of our life? What's the trajectory of our life is into goodness and righteousness and truth. Then we are not walking in darkness. We're walking into his light. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, right? We know, no one's coming in here to say, I'm perfect. I got it all figured out. Because uh, we say, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever, Joker. That's a, you have the sin of pride right now. You know, that's what we'd say. Um, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, if we bring them into the light, he purifies us. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. We bring it into the light of the sun and we find forgiveness and we find hope and we find grace. Because shame lives in the dark and fear grows in the dark. The only thing good that grows in the dark is mushrooms. And if you don't like mushrooms, you're like, nothing good. Besides that, nothing good grows in the dark. Because we don't want shame and we don't want fear because God does not call us into fear. He does not call us into shame. He calls us to be his children. He calls us into his love. He calls us to walk in his goodness and his grace and his truth. The daily battle of sin is real. But what we do with our sin will impact, will will determine the impact we will have with our life. Either we will let sin fester and shame us, or we can bring it into light and let it heal us. Paul pointed to those who still live in the darkness. He said, it is shameful to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. See, when we name it and reveal it, it loses its power over us. When we bring it into the light, when we expose it, it no longer has the power to shame us or the power to create fear in our life. And then we can find healing. Can can we return one moment to the words of Jesus in Matthew 5? It says, you've heard said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, when we uh, commit things with our heart, is our heart visible? 
No, I mean, that would be really gross, right? I mean, I mean, I mean if, if we really wore our heart on the outside, one, it'd be amazing to see, right? But that would at the same time be immediately, like, I mean, people would not be able to eat lunch. No, no, we, 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 no, our, we cannot see our heart. And even here, when it's metaphorically speaking about our heart, we can't see people's intentions. We can't see into people's minds. And so he says, he says so, so that is inside. It is unseen. It is not visible. It is hidden. It's in the, in the dark. See, the temptation of lust was once primarily seen as a problem for men, but in recent years, it's been rising among women as well. Not just physical, but emotional. And having outside sources that would begin to, 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 to rise, raise up uh, feelings and thoughts that would fit into this category of lust. And too often they're found in dark places. And we're afraid to bring them into the light. But if we bring it into the light, only then can we find healing. Can we find forgiveness? Can we find restoration? So how can we prepare ourselves? How can we live out this truth? How can we live into purity and into righteousness, out of darkness and into light? The saying is, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. In Proverbs, we read this. It says, keep to a path far from her, the house of the adulteress, the house of, uh, of, of, of the woman folly, right? We talked about her a few weeks back. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Solomon's words to us, first thing we need to do is stay far away. Stay far away. When we see opportunities for sin, first thing we do, stay far away. Avoid it at all costs. Do not go near her door. If we avoid sin, we also avoid the shame and fear that come with it. We avoid the guilt that comes with it, even though the guilt leads us to forgiveness and repentance. No one wants to feel guilty either, right? So if we stay far from sin, we stay far from the effects of sin as well. Second thing we can do is to replace your thoughts. Replace your thoughts. The temptation itself is not a sin. Satan will tempt us in many and various ways. And he, the best way from the, oftentimes the, the first place he starts is our mind. Because our mind is kind of hidden. It's in the dark and we can just kind of dwell on it there and no one will know. But if we replace our thoughts, the psalmist writes this, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. See, instead of letting your mind be filled and distracted by temptation, which eventually will wear us down, will eventually cause us to fall. We need to fill our minds with the word of God and let our mind dwell on that. Let our mind dwell on things above. It can change a perspective. It can change the message in our head. It can change our sights. So we seek Jesus first and foremost in our life. So let this be our challenge this week. Maybe it's something you already do, uh, but I, I pray that even if, if not, that you would can take the challenge th- just this week, even for just this week to read the Bible daily so that it can guide our life. Maybe, you know, may, maybe you're like me and you kind of go through seasons where there's some days, some, some seasons you are, it, it's easy to be faithful to reading scripture. It's easy. It's like, you get up and it's just like, it's like, oh yeah. Easy to do, man. 
sit down, open up my Bible. You know, you know, maybe you drink coffee, maybe not. Maybe you get your, comf- your comfortable chair and you're just there in the quiet. You just open up scripture and you read. You just have that time with God. But maybe you're also like me and there's this, some seasons where things are just loud and crazy and noisy and to find that time to be able to stop and, and, and to listen, to spend quality time in scripture sometimes is difficult. So maybe this week we can focus. Maybe this week we can take up this challenge that we're going to replace our thoughts, the thoughts of the world, the thoughts that, that want to wear us down and drag us away. Maybe we can replace those thoughts those, with, with words from scripture that God calls us out of darkness and into light. Maybe throughout this week, God will call us into what he desires most for us. Maybe Maybe it's a desire for him, for, for, for him to, to bring us into a relationship with him for the first time. Maybe today, maybe uh, this coming season, maybe this summer is the, the, the time when you say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put aside my sin and I'm going to, to accept Jesus as my Savior and be baptized into him. Uh, we're, we're, I say, I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. I need to step in out of darkness and into light and let him lead and guide my life. Maybe, maybe it's turning back again to him. Maybe you've been walking with him, but, but in, in these days, maybe, maybe there's been sin in your life and, and shame and, and fear have crept up and you need to just turn, turn again to walk in that light, to bring uh, that sin into light, to, 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 be dis, to, to come under the discipline of God, under his correction so that his life can be revealed through you and in you. Well, sin will always be present. We ought not to live in it. It ought not to dominate us or control us. See, the gospel tells us we are free from the bonds of sin if we live in Christ. And you can experience that freedom today. Maybe, maybe you need to connect with a smaller group of people. Maybe you need to c- connect with other believers so you can be encouraged uh, to, and, and help uh, as you uh, try, try to replace your thoughts and try to, try to stay far away from sin. And we can do that best when we are together in a group with others. And we have a, a, a group that meets on, on Sunday morning at nine. You can come before service, come an hour earlier and, and, and join them. You can come on Sunday evenings at six. We have a group that gathers together and we open up scripture. And we are encouraged uh, by our conversations together and what scripture says is it leads us closer to our savior. Maybe today you have another uh, step that you need to take. Maybe you need to talk with someone and uh, maybe you talk with me. I'll be in the back after the service. And maybe you talk, you need to talk with one of our leaders. Maybe uh, talk with the person you came with or you're sitting with today. You can also just let us know uh, as well on the connection card at cchmd.com slash connect and and check the appropriate box. Well, what is it that God is calling you into? And how can we grow in our relationship with him? If, it, if it's impossible for us to build marriages of righteousness on foundations of sin, sin will erode the confidence in any of our relationships. But as we go in this week, may we fill our minds with God's word so that it will keep us far from sin and help us to walk in his light. Let's pray. I uh, thank you. I thank you that you have so loved us and cared for us. Father, you would help us to walk in your truth. 
Father, as we leave here today, may we step into the light of your word. We help reflect your light to those around us. Father, not that we are perfect, not that we have it all figured out, but that, Father, we are striving for purity. We are striving for real life in you. And so, Father, would you help us to step out of shame and out of fear and, Father, into your presence. Father, may there not be any hint of sin in our life, no hint of impurity in our life, but may we walk in your truth, in your goodness, in your righteousness, and may those be the characteristics that reign in us as people will see us and love and serve you. God, you're so good. Father, would you be reflected in our life this week? Would you help us to draw others to know Jesus? And it's in his name I pray. Amen. Hey, we are glad that you've joined us today. I pray that as we leave here today, that we can walk in his truth and that we uh, can have a great week helping make Jesus famous. Have a great week. Look forward to seeing you again next Sunday.